0: Welcome to Football with Grant Wall, special U.S. Women's National Team Olympics edition with co-host Christine Kupo. Thanks so much for joining us. The U.S. has just advanced to the Olympic semifinals after a heart-stopping penalty kick shootout against the Netherlands. Christine, have you survived? Hell
1: yes, but um, I, I don't know how to explain the amalgam of feelings I'm currently having because... I was worried. Then I was super nervous. Then I was concerned. Then I was like, woo. And then I was like, Hey, maybe we can get like seven more offside called goals. I don't know what our problem is. Um, When we went to extra time, I was hating every second of it. And then I was like, please don't let this go to kicks. I really, really hate that. I hate that so many of my teams more recently have had that been the deciding factor. I'm now so used to living with my throat firmly lodged in, like, or rather my heart firmly lodged in my throat that um, I don't swallow anymore. It's, uh, (laughs) but that first save from Nair, oh my God. I, I went from, It's still morning. Let's not make a racket in the apartment and, you know, scare all of my neighbors awake to (laughs) jumping off my sofa. Um, Hell, yes. Uh, This is amazing. But all in, this was more like the usual U.S. Women's National Team we are accustomed to seeing than the prior game. So it was a little bit refreshing, a little bit nerve wracking. Uh, Still big fat question marks all across the board, but much better.
0: We have so much to talk about here uh, that it's, it's almost tough to know where to start, but I'm going to start with the penalty shootout. And we watched a fair number of Euros games with a group of friends together in this tournament. Your team, Italy, won. And in every penalty kick shootout in the, in the Euros, the team that kicked first won. And my friend, Ben Littleton, actually is a psychopath who wrote an entire book about penalty kicks. And in his book... He pointed out that um, 60% of the time the team that shoots first wins, just because there's so much more pressure on the team that goes second. So I was feeling pretty bad the second the U.S. lost the the coin toss. And then Midma, who I think is the best player in the world, definitely the best player in this tournament, but doesn't take penalty kicks for them normally. Maybe we get an idea of why. Great save by Nair. But this sport, man, like, it, like the best player on the field fails to convert.
1: Yeah, I feel like we see that a bunch where it kind of makes no sense whatsoever. But I, I know, understand that Mitema isn't typically a pen taker. She's terrifying. I don't care who you are, whether you're like an infield player or a keeper. If you have her looking down at you, that's an unsettling feeling. So, irrespective of record, I think it was probably like, hey, toss her in there first. Likelihood that she will actually convert, fine. But if not, like, the world's most epic key mind game right there. Like, Alyssa Nair having to stare her down first kick. Um, Thank God I I was shocked and impressed. I'll say that. Um, Alyssa had a pretty good
0: game all in. Um, But, (sighs) stress. I mean, let's talk about Nair as well, because, like if we're being honest here, she should have done better on the equalizing goal from Miedema that made it 2-2 in the second half. Should have reacted better, didn't. But then from that point on, she was absolutely huge. Saves the penalty that Berenstain had earned with just a few minutes left in the 90. And so at that point, I was like, oh, man, the U.S. is really, really in trouble here. Nair saves that, saves the first penalty from Miedema, saves another penalty in the shootout. And we've seen Nair come up big with penalty saves in major tournaments before, right? That happened against England in the World Cup semi-final. And it's it's interesting to me that she could have a bad play in this game that led to the equalizing goal. And yet I still feel like Alyssa Nair... Had a very good game
1: here. Yeah. I, I mean, I I would even go so far as to say that this was probably her best game in the tournament. I feel like she did a lot of really like small, silly things in other games that you just kind of scratched your head at and couldn't understand. Like, wait, this is our number one, this is our this is our keeper. Like this is this wait, this is our keeper kind of moments. Um, but she showed up today. And I feel like even with any little hiccups, like she was more a listener today than she had been in the prior three.
0: Another thing that stuck out to me when you look at the history, but when, when I think of the US women's national team in big penalty kick shootouts, when they when they, they when they've done really well and it's memorable, they make every one. They convert every single one and their mental fortitude is absolutely incredible. I think back to the 99 women's world cup final, they made all five. I think back to the 2011 quarterfinal against Brazil when Wambach had the late goal to send it to penalties. All 5 were converted. We won't talk about the 2011 Women's World Cup final penalty shootout, but, when, but like that type of fortitude is really impressive, just the the psychological tenacity and Megan Rapinoe ends up converting the final kick. But also
1: Megan Rapinoe's final kick of this set of pens was beautiful. That was a beautiful, that was how you take a pen.
0: (laughs) It really was. And she knew that. They
1: should have been running replays of that. I'm dead serious because of those that, I mean, granted, they all converted fine, whatever. But hers was like the quintessential perfect penalty kick. Like, thank you. Appreciate you, Megan, um, for stepping up. And I like her little sass when she turned around and crossed her arms after because it was like, okay, now we're done.
0: A fantastic pose right after, in the moment right after she converts and they've won the game. Um, Rapino in particular, I think that moment to me showed a lot about Megan Rapino. I think she's been subpar this tournament, if we're being honest. Um, and even on set piece delivery where she's usually quite good she hasn't been uh, very good in this tournament. And yet when the moment was at its greatest point of pressure, needing the penalty to convert, to win the game, she not only converted, but did so, as you say, just with a- an absolutely perfect penalty. And and I, I'm, I'm kind of speechless. I'm, I'm feeling a little sick. I've had too much coffee. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, uh, I I did this one caffeine free for the first of any of the games I watched, which probably explains why I had a slow start this morning. I'm like, why in the world am I more tired today? Hmm, I don't know. You haven't pounded cold brew in, in mass yet, so there's still time. There's a bucket available. But, um, how about Lynn Williams by the way? Lynn Williams. Lynn Williams got the start finally. Okay, which she deserved. Okay. I quite frankly have no idea why Vlaco pulled her as early as he did. Leave her. She was responsible for the assist, then for the following goal. Who knows what else would have happened? Um, I feel like, again, to your point, um, Rapino has had like a really spotty Olympics tournament. Um, I don't even want to say subpar. She's just been really quiet and mostly ineffective. Um, she's certainly been there. Second half of this game, she had. Like some beautiful service, beautiful balls over, but like, otherwise first half, I feel like we were kind of playing where it was, uh, send a long ball, send a long ball, send a long ball, pray, uh, offside, offside, offside. Whereas Netherlands were playing an entirely different game. They were actually trying to pass the ball around. The problem is they were just getting dispossessed repeatedly. So it was just an interesting um, mashup for these two teams. Just completely different playing styles.
0: Yeah, I, I, I got to admit, I was a little bummed when Lynn Williams came off. I felt like the subs that Andonovsky made were what he wanted to do ahead of the game. And I think if he had made the subs based on what was actually happening on the field until that point, he might not have taken off the same players. I thought Mewis had her best game of the tournament. She obviously scored the first goal on the end of... Uh, the pass from Williams, I would have kept Mewis on longer. She was in a much better place today, I think.
1: Uh, I feel like she was more herself today, for sure, uh, just in everything that she did.
0: Yeah, and and Williams too. I I thought she brought uh, so much to this game uh, from the the defensive pressure, from the creativity. Uh,
1: I feel like of this roster, she was always that player and is just the one that got the least amount of attention minutes chance and so i feel like the more that he starts giving her that the more that she's going to be able to prove to anyone that maybe doesn't know who lynn williams is who lynn williams is um and i love that for her she deserves it it's all well deserved hard worker um
0: Great player all around. It's crazy, too, because she originally was an alternate and only ended up being in a position to play in this tournament when the IOC allowed the four alternates to become part of the team itself, Um, which is a a whole separate crazy story, right? Like, there's no reason that there shouldn't be 22 or 23 players on every Olympic roster. Don't try and save money, IOC, or, or whatever the reason is for that. That's idiotic especially when you're asking teams to play so many games in a short time. But Lynn Williams brings something that this team needs. So I'm very glad she got that opportunity today. I'm very curious to see uh, against Canada in the semis, which is going to be fun, I think. I think
1: it'll be a fun game. But I think that if the derivative of the U.S. Women's National Team that we finally saw today show up for Canada Will dominate, but it'll be a good game.
0: Yeah, and obviously there's a lot of still bad blood. We had Janine Becky from Canada on the podcast not long ago. Bad blood from the 2012 Olympic semifinal, the epic 4-3 game where the U.S. was down three times, came back to win right at the end with Alex Morgan. That's also the Abby Wambach finger counting game, if you recall. Do you remember that? When like she was counting, like showing the fingers to the referee of how long the Canadian goalkeeper was taking and then got a call that led to a, a, what a, there was so much negativity with Canadians. All these friendly Canadians were so angry. Um, I remember it, me on Twitter uh, during that game. So I like the emotions that it brings up. Um, and so there's going to be a lot to think about heading into this Canada game. Uh, any other sort of things about the U.S., particular players that stood out to you here?
1: I don't know. I, I think that the lineup was the right one. I was a little bit surprised to not see Tierna back out there again today um, over Dahl Kemper. Not that Dahl Kemper underperformed, I think, today. I think she was a bit better than she had been. But um, I think that was was probably the only surprise um, Crystal done, effective as ever, especially with like Midima and then like Benadonk back there floating up, and it just—I don't think I have anybody else that really like stood out or was particularly poor today. It was—it was definitely a much better U.S. team all in, which was yeah, I was excited about that, but not without the requisite stress. And then like that gut feeling like something is about to happen terrible. And I don't know if that's just something that we all carry with us, (laughs) like the doom it's upon us, it's coming panic. Um, But When it doesn't, it's refreshing. I kind of just wanted the sweet release of death when we were like, oh, we're going to extra minutes now. Come on. I can't do this. I really, we're all, the fact that none of us collectively have a heart condition just specifically due to like soccer fandom, they should run a study on all of us. I promise the research will be immaculate and absolutely just chaos.
0: I feel like I should wear my heart rate monitor that I use for for my workouts like during a game just to find out like what happens to my heart rate and, and also what happens when I drink this much coffee.
1: Let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Verna Law, a boutique law firm in intellectual property, including patents, trademarks and copyrights. Verna Law's clients are largely small businesses and startups, and they focus on all aspects of intellectual property, from protecting brands to inventions to artistic works. Verna Law's managing partner, Anthony Verna, is also the host of the Law & Business podcast, which you should definitely check out, with more than 60 episodes interviewing a wide variety of intriguing figures about intellectual property, copyrights, startups, and much more. You can also find Anthony Verna on Twitter at AvernaLaw, where he also tweets about soccer, by the way. Or... Go to the website, vernalaw.com. Thank you very much to Vernalaw for sponsoring this episode.
0: So let's get to the mailbag here. We've had uh, several questions come in from people on Twitter, as you might expect. Some more existential than others. Uh, My my friend Jennifer Doyle from a left wing on Twitter asks, Why do they do this to us? Question (laughs) mark.
1: I think they're just testing. It's like preliminary testing to see if we actually need a physical anytime soon, <laughs> how your cardiac health is, um, blood flow, mental stamina under pressure. Like it's, it's our own fitness testing. And, um, I think we've large, I think we've survived. We've, we've haven't come out unscathed. I'm sure we all have some sort of now trauma that we've buried that's specific to these games, but otherwise I think it's, That's it. It's just a litmus test for our function as fans.
0: A couple of things I want to say here, this like flip a switch idea, this mentality that you can, the U.S. could flip a switch and suddenly the old U.S. team and mentality would come back that we haven't seen all that much in this tournament. It wasn't like 100 percent there, but it was kind of there today. I mean, there was a feeling even in the first half, even when. The Netherlands goes ahead 1-0 on a terrific play by Miedemann in the the box. Um, That was against the run of play. The U.S. then comes right back. Lynn Williams becomes amazing. They they get two fairly quick goals to take a 2-1 lead into halftime. And there was a feeling, like, I, I, I still don't feel like this is the same vibe I got from the U.S. during the 2019 Women's World Cup, but this today was more like, what I expect to see from the U.S. women's national team. Is it possible to flip a switch?
1: I think yes, because I think we've seen them do it before. Um, But I think that we saw some of the confidence back of the 2019 team today, not necessarily the -the over-the-top arrogance that people were extremely bothered by, which is warranted because the performances certainly haven't been deserving thus far. But um, I don't think that we're the same team if we're playing without that level of confidence that you know we are dominant, even if maybe in that moment it's not entirely true. I think it's certainly something that kind of propels us forward as a team. Um, so yeah, love to see that. Um, they uh, they need it. needed i think i think
0: they're just that team i mean it reminds me a little bit of the 2015 women's world cup when the u.s wasn't great in the group stage and then once the elimination rounds hit they were much better and carly lloyd turned into a superhuman and and so like there we've seen this to some extent in previous tournaments it's just that you're not sure they can do it um chris class asks all joking aside if we can have throw-in coaches in the game can't we have an offside coach So many disallowed U.S. goals for offside now in this tournament. Three or four today. Kristen Press had a couple. Um, It's like you play like what? Is there something that is causing this?
1: I have no idea. Like it's kind of inconceivable Um, which I think anybody would have noticed with just specifically this tournament and this team um, in contrast to literally any other team in any other league with the number of offside that get called. This is like how it's, it's extremely, extremely high and maybe some of it has to do with just like the pressing, but the awareness should be there, right? Like they've been doing this all along. This has never happened before. It's not like we've been known to do this. We're not an entire team of like Alvaro Moratas. That suddenly, um, it's it's a very it's an anomaly for sure, is what I think. Why it's happening so much in this tournament, I have no idea. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with VAR. Um, if anybody's drawn that conclusion, like, oh, it's being called more often because of VR, like that's no, like it, obviously for the ones today, especially even in the last couple matches that have been upheld, they were offside, some of them marginally, which I think it is it's silly. Um, even nitpicking over things like Kristen Press's sleeves being up and being like, ooh, now we're gonna have to go by the arm. Like there are obviously we have issues, right? We're gonna need to figure this out. There are some bugs um that. The system is just not fully functional, um, but but certain things where like in replay, um, and I don't even mean VAR, but just general repa- replay where you can see like, oh, foot is over the line, the right foot, Kristen Press, like pop back a bit because she knew she was offside. And just couldn't correct enough to fix it. And that was unfortunate because they know it's just a matter of like, how does this keep happening? I don't know what they're doing in training. I don't think it's anything different. I, I, I mean, or maybe it is. And suddenly we're seeing this bubble up to the surface. But um, yeah, like some of them are super clear and some of them are that bit of gray area where you're like, no, they, they could have let that go. <laughs>
0: I mean, I I do think with VAR, right, the AR is instructed typically to not stop the play, to not raise the flag in ways they might have before, unless it's like they're 10 yards offside. And so that may have caused more situations where you would actually see a continuation of the play. The ball goes in the net, then gets disallowed. So I think there's something to that on some of these. I also do think at least some of the time a player has more control a receiving player offensively of if they can look down the line themselves, if they're like facing the ball and then it's really on them. You should not be offside. Um, and, And that's not all the time, but I think that's the case. Some of the time here. More often than not this go
1: around, that's been the issue or like the awareness comes at the last second And they realize, like Kristen Press, ooh, I need to try to correct for this.
0: Let me also mention Kristen Press because she converted her penalty today and she did not convert her penalty in the quarterfinal of the Olympics four years ago when the U.S. went out. And you could see the relief on Kristen Press's face after she converted her penalty today. And it it was interesting because the morning after that, lost to Sweden in twenty sixteen. I, I weirdly had breakfast with her dad at the hotel. <laughs> and I he's a great guy, by the way. Really interesting uh guy. Played football at Dartmouth. Um and uh and we sat for about an hour and just talked. It wasn't like an interview or anything. We were just talking and um, you know, like very proud of his daughter. Um but also knew that she was hurting, you know, after, as the whole team was, after they went out the way they did. But I was thinking of that this morning when press went up to the spot kick. And
1: Um, sure. I mean, the memories of the things that you do well stick with you, but the things that you do that don't pan out sometimes haunt you for a lot longer. And to have that sort of repeat itself here today, I'm sure she was thinking about it. I, I don't, I don't doubt that there was even a blip of a second where she was like, oh, let's let's convert this. So I'm glad that she managed to sort of wrestle with that.
0: Yeah. No, it was it was really good, I think. Um, and let's go to some more questions here. One second. Um, what is next? We've got uh b bum. Sean Hardgrove, what's going on with the back line?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, this has been consistent, this tournament, at least. There's been um, an underperforming or atypically performing doll kemper when she's in. Um, I also I'm just flipping through some of the mailbag questions, too. And, and I feel like there's a few of these. Um, yes, I agree with all of you that Tierna Davidson is, is always a good choice. But again, Tierna Davidson is not doll kemper. And Dahl Kemper's is not Tierna Davidson. So um, with that go both of their strengths, which are different. Um, but I mean, Tierna Davidson has been performing this whole tournament as she's played. I don't think I have any complaints with her. I don't think anybody else really has pointed that out. Um, I think it's just been an off time for Dahl Kemper. I think that Tierna Davidson, yes, she had probably the legs to continue to play. I, I think it was just a Vlako decision. Um, could have been a morale decision. I have no idea what exactly that dynamics like in the back line. Um, but we tend to see fewer issues, at least in this Olympics, um, when Davidson's on.
0: Agreed. I would also put out a question mark about Kelly O'Hara. Um, yeah, she struggled
1: know. today, but also she struggled with Miedema. I mean, like, who isn't going to struggle with her?
0: <laughs> no, it's totally true. She struggled with Berenstein too. That's the penalty that... Uh, that happened um, and, and there's going to be questions I think, and, and probably should be about um, Casey Krueger, Midge Purse.
1: I mean, yes. Like we all definitely have our banners out for Casey Krueger, especially me for Midge. I love Midge. Um, but when you're looking at it and it's like, I think that like Sauerbrunn is one of our best defenders and then Crystal Dunn, who was never even intended to be um, a defender is absolute fire back there. So yeah, I think that it's going to take a little bit of introspection on our part in terms of who actually fills these roles most appropriately, get a lot more of the youth in there because we're going to need to start not necessarily like retiring people, but there's going to need to be a seamless changing of the guard. And I think that like, there's absolutely no reason that we shouldn't see Kruger and Midge out there um, doing battle already. I
0: mean, that's going to be a big question. I got we got several questions uh, from readers on Twitter about this too. Of like, did Latko just bring too old a roster here? Uh, and I do think it's important to note if the U.S. had won on penalties, if they lost on penalties, I think that would be like the bright shining headline of this tournament. Of too many older players were brought. Um, we're we're very results oriented in media discussion about stuff. You know, a couple of penalties go one way or the other.
1: That would have came anyway, um, irrespective of how poorly or how well we play in this tournament. If we gold anything that happens beyond that point. We win and there's going to be some um, smart and warranted uh, dissection of the team dynamic, who's been playing what, who's been playing well, whatever, but all in, everyone's going to be pleased enough that they'll back off, right? There will not be um, pitchfork and flame um, lofted high. If things were to have gone poorly or gone t- entirely sideways and we got bounced today, um, the entire internet would have already been on fire. <laughs> That's just how it works, right? Okay. Um it's also really agitating, um, just because of the way that sometimes sometimes social media is wonderful, and sometimes it's terrible. And today, um, you could see like little glints of um, any rapino criticism that was thoughtful and fact-based and empirically evidenced on field today um, had an entire wealth of trolls in the replies, just. And that part's just so aggravating, and it's got to be exhausting for everyone involved. But for me, I get just get so frustrated because you can't simply have you know a poor performance and say, "Hey, this," without essentially like dousing gasoline on somebody and saying, "Okay, have at them." And it's so unfair.
0: <laughs> oh, social media culture is a cesspool. And like I, I tweeted today. Uh, Rapino has brought very little so far to this tournament, which I think is accurate. Now, that was before she converted a brilliant penalty to finish this thing off. But it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier, and that's, I love Megan Rapino. You know, I love everything she represents, everything she stands for. And so, yeah, I, I definitely noticed that in terms of, um, I actually don't see, I, I have my Twitter settings so that I don't see in my mentions, replies from people who don't follow me. So typically, I I miss a bunch of the garbage just because it's... I think
1: I need to make some adjustments today going forward, just in case. <laughs> just
0: in case. <laughs> because, yeah, it, it's it's absurd how that can then get taken by bad faith people into stuff that has nothing to do with soccer, and I have no time for that. So... Um, I highly suggest to anyone on Twitter, don't do the settings, right? The people who mess with you are the ones who often don't follow you and are just searching for Rapino's name to like spew garbage. And, and I have no time for that whatsoever. Um, from lost my beer, what a great Twitter handle. Um, where is Rose's headband? Um, Rose Lavelle did not start this game, by the way, which was a kind of a shock to me. I, I know they've done some rotations uh, in this tournament, but this was an elimination game. Rose Lavelle obviously scored a wonderful goal against the Netherlands in the World Cup final. Uh, comes on in this game um, and was, was OK, you know, and, and converted a very good penalty as well. But yeah, I'm so used to seeing the headband. I I did, like, I I noticed. I I know that.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Doesn't she always have the pink pre-wrap? Yeah, yeah, I didn't notice until you just said that now. I'm like, wait, in my head, I think in my head, my groggy brain this morning just kind of like superimposed it on her as she was playing like, yeah, she always has it on. Um, Maybe she's turning a new fashion leaf. Maybe maybe she shows up in the next match with like a different color pre-wrap. She's done with the pink. She's on to something else.
0: Um, Question here from Ryan Madden. Should the U.S. consider having someone else take set pieces other than... Rapino, that like who else would you do? Yeah. I don't, things?
1: I don't think that we have that person. I mean, I'm trying to think like maybe, maybe that's a lie, but I, I feel like if I'm going to go like top pick top to bottom, I'm going Rapinoe.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, like we haven't seen that many free kicks in positions to score in this tournament from the U S and I, and I, I also have noticed that I like to think of what are things we're not seeing, um, we haven't seen any real penalties drawn by the US. If you go back to the World Cup, think of how many penalty kicks Rapino had and converted in that tournament in the run of play. And the US isn't putting itself in position to earn penalties in this tournament.
1: Meaning like actually threatening ones that can be converted, like in the box, around the box. I
0: feel like we're always way too far out. <laughs> it, it, that's, I mean, just something I've noticed is like, yeah, there's no, we haven't, how many free kicks on goal have we seen from the U S in this tournament? Not too many. We haven't seen any penalties drawn. Um, and that's not great actually. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I never really focused on that, but it's
1: true, especially in contrast to sort of like the men's game, even last night, uh, with gold cup, they had a lot of like around the box penalties that Either way could have been a real shot, whereas we're like, hey, we're going to be like midfield <laughs> trying to rip these in.
0: Yeah. Um, let's see if we have anything else here. We have from Cave Johnson. Uh, the rest of the world doesn't fear the U.S. women's national team anymore. Um, I, I think there's something to that, but I don't want to go too far with that because I think the U.S. women's national team mentality, as we saw in the penalties, is still extremely good. Uh, They're They're
1: still absolutely ice cold. If anything, I wouldn't say that the rest of the world doesn't fear them. I think there's a healthy respect as there should be. I just think that other uh, national programs are advancing as they should be, right? That's good for the sport. That's good for everybody. Um, So I think that that's probably a little bit of the difference that we're seeing in just general attitude. Um, Netherlands are good. You know, they're, they're a good team. France, good team. Like, um, there's a lot of legitimate contenders, even Canada, um, that we shouldn't be, you know, assuming that, oh yeah, they're, they're terrified of the U S it's not that, um, they're contenders.
0: Yeah. I I'm with you on that. Um, so the other semifinal is going to be Sweden against Australia. Australia beat great Britain, Today, 4-3 in a wild game that went to extra time. and had three goals in extra time. Sam Kerr with a big game. Um, kind of interesting that three of the four semifinalists are from the U.S.'s group. So maybe that might cause some people to take a, a, another look at, at the U.S.'s performance uh, in this tournament. Because the third-place team from the group, Australia, uh, is in the semis. Um, Good work by Canada to eliminate Brazil on penalties.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be doing my own private separate morning on behalf of Marta, because that was really my only incentive to be rooting for
0: Brazil. She's just
1: absolute goat. Um, and when Marta said, we're all sad, as we should be.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's gonna be really interesting, but for right now, the focus is gonna be on the players who are there in Japan for this Olympics and the final four teams, I think all deserve to be there. So the quarterfinals were great. Semifinals should be as well. Christine Kupo, thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me yet again. We're going to keep winning, right?
0: (laughs) We've got at least one more of these podcasts coming, actually two now, because there's going to be at least two more games yet uh, for the U.S. now that they're in the final four. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall, everyone. I want to thank Christine Kupo, as well as producer Chris Whittingham. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. We'll be back soon with much more left in this Olympic tournament. Be safe, everyone. I'll see you next time.